The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We're here to recap the Titans' beatdown of the New England Patriots that really kind of came out of nowhere. Let's just hop right into it and talk about the Titans' offense. What were they able to do to score as many points as they did? I believe they put 34 on the board. Uh, LaFleur called a very good game. I think he's had probably three straight very good games he, he just has really gotten the offense in rhythm um he's using a lot of misdirection um really using a lot of option plays as well uh and Mariota just seems very comfortable um Mariota's also trusting his receivers a lot more ever since uh he came out of the bye week um and I think that's been a really huge part of the offense um in addition to in addition to the team kind of making Deion Lewis the feature back uh I know the 2.8 yards to carry don't look good, but early in the game he was pick, picking up chunk gains um, on every drive, um, and we were able to get into really good scoring positions because of it. Um, and just what Deion Lewis brings in the passing game, the threat of him out of the backfield, uh, it it draws defenders to him and, and the areas that he's in, and it opens up things um, for the other weapons in the passing game. Um, that's kind of something that goes overlooked when when you're just citing the stats. Um, and when Derrick Henry's in the game. Uh, I'm not going to talk bad about Derrick Henry, but it's, it's just the truth. He's just not as much of a threat in the passing game because he's very limited in what he can do in the passing game. Um, so Deion Lewis being back there for a lot of the game, it really just opens everything up. Um, but I, I like how they used Henry yesterday as well um, in that change of pace role and, and later in the game. Um, and him in the Wildcat is awesome. It's been working all year. So the offense really seems to to be hitting its stride. Uh, which a lot of experts said it would. It, they said it would take time. Dan Orlovsky, um, in particular, said it would take like half a season for the LaFleur offense to really start shining, and I think we're kind of seeing that over the past two weeks. Yeah, I mean, this is what this offense looks like when the offensive line has a really nice day and when your quarterback can feel his throwing hand. You know, it's just it, it's it's that simple. You know, the offensive line uh, when Mariota wasn't under pressure, he was eighteen of nineteen and had two touchdowns, which is about as good as you can get. And I think the one play that uh, wasn't complete was the overthrow to Batson, where he just forgot that Batson is five seven. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was a great day for Mariota. I mean, the offensive line was good. The running game was fine, nothing spectacular, no big, you know, 60, 70 yard runs or anything like that, but it was what it needed to be. So, I mean, it was just great game plan and great execution. It You can't really find a flaw on this team right now. Also, we're actually throwing the ball down the field. So, 
the past four games, Mariota's yards per attempt have been 7.8, 7.41, 8.28, and 9.5. If you throw the ball downfield, it just opens up so many things uh, in the middle of the field and to the sidelines, and it's really been helping. So, um, Will, you mentioned an interesting point. You say it's hard to find a weakness or a weak spot on this team right now, and I don't think you're all that wrong. However, my one bone to pick with this game, another week, another week passes without uh, sacks from Brian Arakpo or Landry or Correa or any of the edge guys. Getting Derek Morgan back this week is a possibility. But, I mean – I hate to nitpick, especially after a loss like that. But, I mean, those guys need to do better. That, that's my weakness. <clears throat> yeah. uh, sure. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just – okay. So, um, I've rewatched the game a couple times now, and there's some things that kind of explain why that is. First of all, uh, the Titans sacked Brady more than he's been sacked since 2017 when – and they just got three sacks. So, it's hard to actually get Brady down. I think Landry had two quarterback hits where one, Jayon Brown knocks him off of a sack where if Jayon Brown wasn't in the backfield as well, he would have had a sack. And there's another play where Brady steps away like half a second before Landry jumps to try to get to him. And that would have been a sack too. You know, you don't want to play like ifs and buts, but I mean, Landry is really good. They dropped him into coverage several times because they were twisting with linebackers and down linemen and I mean, he flowed in coverage, but I mean, he looked all the part of a three-four outside linebacker. Even though I like him best with his hand in the dirt, so I'm not worried about him. Brian Arakpo, I, I just I don't know. I, I really don't know that he's going to get a second sack this year. And the first one was kind of questionable. And it, it's not that he's a bad player; it's just that he's a run player now. Like. He doesn't have that same dip and rip that he used to. He, you know, didn't have a lot of moves he can put on people. He's really strong and he's instinctual. He had a, a tackle for loss that I think lost three yards, where he knifes in under the block uh, of the tackle and just is in the backfield alone with the runner. I mean, it was, it was a great play. So he's not playing poorly. It's just that he's not doing what you pay guys big money to do at edge. So. Yeah, I mean, Cam Ray had a big game, and Brady like threw one in the dirt, so we would avoid a sack from him. There was a lot of plays where it was close, and the edge guys were getting to the quarterback. They just were drawing incomplete passes instead of sacks. Yeah, I, I thought we, we actually did pretty well, all things considered. Uh, Brady's one of the best in the game, if not the best, at just manipulating the pocket, moving around in it, and, and avoiding pressure. Um, but I, I, I think I, I thought it was fine. Three sacks is, is a decent number. We got 17 total pressures um, on 66 snaps, which, which against the Patriots is is more than you can hope for, really. Um, and a lot of those pressures were very effective because you saw Brady um, just rushing a lot of throws, and he was doing that a lot of times to receivers that were covered very tightly, um, and he just couldn't complete a lot he completed 21 of 41 passes um and i think a lot of that a lot of that did have to do with the coverage but but the pressure was was somewhat there uh, more so than in other patriots games yeah let me say this um there was there was one play where uh, we at least one play where we saw their version of a nascar package some some teams call it like rabbit uh, it's it's just four pass rushers in the field where they had 
uh, Landry and Evans lined up outside the tackles and Iraq Poe and Casey in the middle. And when Evans went upfield and had an inside spin move, he barely stay catches the, his toe on the ground. And if he doesn't do that, he's got a clean path to the quarterback. It's a textbook spin move. It's perfect. If you can, if you can find it, go back and watch it because he kills the offensive tackle. And if he doesn't stumble, uh, he ends up with a sack. And instead, it's just an incomplete pass. But I mean, that's something to watch for. I mean, we we all heard he said, you know, in one of the post game interviews that he's like, you know, that's not even my real position. Talking about outside line or talking about off the ball linebacker. I think you're going to see him a lot more in rush posi- rush positions going forward. So uh, he had a really good day. Go find that snap if you can. The Titans receivers, and by receivers I mean tight ends too, they really kind of held their own yesterday. I mean, not that New England's defense is anything all that special, but I thought obviously Corey Davis had the big game. But, I mean, we saw nice things from Batson, from from Jennings, especially in the return game. This young group – that two weeks ago people were getting on to John Robinson for giving up on the season by not trading for anyone. Now that Mariota's kind of getting the hang of things, they're kind of coming right along with him. Yeah, I mean, I just can't believe we didn't trade a third-round pick for Golden Tate uh, so he could give two catches for 19 yards. Yeah, Yeah, so (laughs) uh, besides that – I think it's just nice that the receivers are actually doing their jobs and catching the ball, something that they couldn't do in the first half of the season. Um, and I think just the entire offense is benefiting from it, um, especially Mariota. And the interesting thing is over the last two games, they've done this without Tajay Sharp even. I think he caught one pass maybe in yeah. the in the Cowboys. He didn't even catch a pass, right, in the Cowboys game? I don't, I don't know that. Oh, no, he did. He caught one pass for zero yards and then against the Patriots he d- he didn't even catch a pass um so he's kind of struggling with an injury um and other guys are just stepping up uh in the Cowboys game um Darius Jennings made that nice catch um Taewon made a couple of catches Batson has had a couple of catches over the past two games um and he's had a couple of, of plays where he takes a screen uh and goes 10 plus yards really utilizing his speed which is something that this that this offense has lacked so I think it's really good that the lesser receivers have stepped up um, and it's kind of just helped the entire offense. Yeah, the, the receiver position is definitely a concern going forward. But these are the types of games where when I defend Mariota, it's because of this. Like, he's playing with his fifth and sixth receiver. If you count Delaney, I mean, I guess seventh, sixth and seventh, if you count Delaney, Rashard, who was supposed to be there, Taewon and Tajay, all doing nothing over the past two weeks. I mean, it's Corey Davis and whoever else can manage to stay healthy and get on the field. And, I mean, he's putting up games like this where it just – I mean, he's 18 of 19, which part of that goes to the receivers for making catches, especially Corey Davis making some you know good catches. There's one where he jumped in the ball was – a foot above his head and he just jumped mid route and went up and got it. And it was, you know, an eight yard pass, something that doesn't show up in the stats, anything special, but it was a really good catch. But, and I, I, I want to add this, you know, I was talking to a friend last night about Mariota and, and the game. And I think one of the reasons that people were losing faith in Mariota, I was losing faith in Mariota. It's because, yeah, you know, the games like this is obviously why you want him to be your quarterback. 
But there weren't any of those last year. Name one game where he played well last year. Uh, the Baltimore game. I mean, Baltimore and Cincinnati tend to get forgotten a lot. He threw picks in both of those games. Yeah, I mean, backbreaking it, picks, in, at least in the Cincinnati game. I mean, they won the game. I mean, he threw the game-winning touchdown. So, I mean, it didn't break their back. Well, yeah, I mean, that was half the season, was scraping by and, I mean. Right. I mean, it, like a game Seattle like yesterday, game, start to finish, yeah, dominating performance with his leg and his arm. Yeah, I mean, I, you're right. Like, you, you mean, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. And there's been two back-to-back. And so what I'm saying is losing faith on Mariota was not unreasonable. However, I think what we're starting to see, if, you know, you, I think you brought up before we started recording this idea of what Dan Orlovsky said, that it would take you know, half a season or more for things to click. If this is not just a, a, a pair of outlier games and instead is it's actually starting to click, we're starting to realize how inept Terry Robisky was, and that honestly, maybe he like broke Mariota for a little bit, and he's just now kind of coming to. Yeah, which is weird because in 2016, Mariota looked the best he ever has, um, and it was kind of the same offense, but things just really changed. It was the same offense with an effective DeMarco Murray. Yeah, there were just a lot of things that went right in that season, and there were just too many things that went wrong in 2017 and and Robisky and Malarkey just didn't adapt. Um, but you're right. We haven't had, he hasn't had Mariota. I mean, he hasn't had this stretch of games. Um, I know it's only been two, uh, but it's really been since he threw that interception um, in the Chargers game. He really hasn't had this type of stretch since probably that, that stretch where he was like the best quarterback in the league, um, like in the middle of the 2016 season where he was absolutely on fire. Um, I think we've kind of seen that um here over the last two weeks and um it it just looks like in a more comfortable in a more in rhythm um and in a more effective and even did back then yeah i mean i I totally get the frustration last year but and this is kind of a double-edged sword because you, you want to defend him for this year because of his hand injury but then everybody says you know he's always injured which is true, uh, you know. Uh, availability is the best ability. Well, but, at least he know, didn't get benched like Jameis Winston. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is when Mariota's healthy, I have no doubt in my mind that he is a quarterback who can win every game that he's in. You know, I, I never feel like there's a team that completely outmatches uh, when he's at, at the helm, and it's not because of a supporting cast. I mean, he's never had a supporting cast that's drug him along. It's been. You know, he's had to run or throw, you know, out of bad positions on third and 12, you know, several times a game. I mean, that's how we were winning games early in the I mean, the Philadelphia game was a great win, and, it, you know, it really boosted the team up. But he had to complete three fourth downs on in overtime. Like, it, he just wasn't – I mean, he's just not a guy who's ever gotten a lot of help from his supporting cast. So, I don't know if he'll ever be a guy like Rodgers or Brady or Breeze who – can drag an inept team deep in the playoffs. But if you get him surrounding talent, there's no doubt in my mind that he can be a guy that goes, you know, two touchdowns, no interceptions, three touchdowns, one interception, and he can do that consistently. He just has to have some help. And I think one thing that I want 
personally to see from Mariota moving forward is last week I said I wanted him to string together two good games back-to-back, and he did that. I want to see another one, but also I want to see his turnovers become like smart turnovers. Like when Aaron Rodgers throws an interception, it's not because he completely misread the defense and he throws a duck right to a guy sitting in the middle of the field. It's because he gave a guy a chance and the DB made a nice play because he was trying to make something happen and it just wasn't there and he held on too long. But like when Mariota has turned the ball over within the last calendar year, it's always been because of like really bad misreads and like throwing it right to guys in the middle of the field. I want those to just be gone at this point. And in his fourth year, that's not unreasonable. Yeah, I, I agree. I think most of his interceptions this year have, have been that, actually, what you've described. Um, and it, yeah, it'd be nice. If he does make mistakes, um, let it be that he's trusting his receivers to make a play um, in a tight window situation because that that that's that's an okay interception where I can just be happy that he's trying to make something happen um, instead of him just getting fooled by the defense. I, I mean, which is going to happen. Um, but it shouldn't be happening at such a frequent rate um, this late in his career. Um, and, and hopefully uh, this this these last few games have kind of um, gotten that out of his system. Yeah, I mean, y'all say y'all would be okay with that, but when he threw the interception to Nick Williams because he trusted his receiver, and I mean... Will, that's say- not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about I two yards away. <laughs> I mean, what I'm saying is is there's only one receiver on this team he should trust, and that's Corey Davis. So, you know, you can talk about making a smart play. And, I mean, he, he expected Nick Williams to shield that guy off and get that pass and keep the drive moving. And you know, I, I don't whole, even consider that was just Nick Williams' problem. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, but, I mean, he's got, what, two interceptions this year, you know, that weren't in the Miami game and wasn't that play? He's only thrown five. Like, I mean, it's not like he's just lobbing the ball up. I'm the, talking the, about the one in the Eagles game when he just threw it right to the guy. The, the, there's another one, too. That he, the Chargers. The Chargers. Like, Chargers. Yes, yes. The predetermined throw where no one was yeah. open. Yeah, I mean, that, those are bad turnovers, and, you know, I, I get well, That's all first. I need you to say. That's all I need you to say. They're bad well, turnovers, okay. and they don't need to happen. End okay, of story. Yeah. I've not yeah. said anything bad about Mariota other than that. Yeah, I know. Uh, this right. kid hates Mariota. <laughs> hates him. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, I did a Periscope one time, and like as soon as I started, this guy came in and he said, he said, everybody, this is the, the biggest Mariota hater you'll ever see. I'm like, how did I get that stigma? <laughs> if anything, I should be the Derrick Henry hater. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, it's definitely the Derrick Henry. On this on this podcast, you are both though. We're a lot closer in agreement on Derrick Henry than Mario. Because <laughs> Derrick Henry is probably more deserving of of most of my criticism. Uh, like, it, it, we can talk about it another time. Yeah, let, let's move on and talk about the Titans' defense. We talked some about the pass rush earlier. I want to talk about how good the secondary is because. Aside from Malcolm Butler, who, poor thing, was a lost soul in the first eight games of the season, there's not a weak link. There's not. You got Logan Ryan, arguably the best slot corner in the NFL. 
Adoree Jackson shut down Josh Gordon, so don't ever give me the he's too small excuse again. Kevin Byard is playing even better than he did last year, and yes, that is a good take. And Kenny Vaccaro is impressing me, which is hard for a strong safety to do. Uh, Vaccaro has been one of my favorite tight ends so far this year. Uh, just the energy he brings uh, pretty much every game, uh, and especially his versatility. He's been really good in coverage, something um, that he's kind of that he kind of struggled with it, it, with the Saints because he was kind of being missed. Um, but he's been really good in coverage and in run defense. He plays a hit um and he's kind of been a tone setter for the defense uh we saw the defense uh especially on the back end struggle a little bit as it was injured with that with that elbow injury and kendrick lewis had to fill in for him um but none of these back uh, i don't think i don't think anyone could really argue that this is probably a top three secondary in the entire league um if not the best secondary in the the entire league um and the numbers the numbers back it up we're the number one scoring defense right now uh, by a whole point, um, and I think we're we're giving up seven sixteen point eight points per game. When's the last time the Titans were giving up sixteen point eight points per game? Um, and in terms of yards per game, I mean we're sixth overall total right now, uh, giving up the sixth fewest yards per game. That is fantastic, and I think the numbers are really backing up um, what the film has shown. Um, it's really awesome to see it all come together because before the season. We thought that this was a defense on paper uh, that looked like a top five unit, uh, and it's been even better than a top five unit. Yeah, I, the biggest thing for me is the talent has been there. It's just the Kendrick Lewis start killed them in the Chargers game because it essentially gave up two fifty-five plus yarders. Should have been Dane Krukshank. Do what? I said it should have been should've Dane Krukshank. Yeah, I mean it. Could not have been worse, um, but you know that that hurt him. But the key is Adoree Jackson. I mean, having Adoree Jackson shadow number one receivers is just a different element to this team, and it makes them much harder to go against because you can't scheme the Titans into a mismatch anymore. I mean, maybe you can get a tight end or something, but you know Adoree following uh, Gordon into the slot, you know, left side, right side, through shifts, all that kind of. I mean. He could not get rid of him, and it killed the Patriots' game plan offensively. So, you know, Malcolm Butler is a true cornerback three, and Dory Jackson is the true cornerback one shadowing people is a revelation in this defense, and it should continue to bear fruit. I mean, it's a really good idea, and it's worked out really well, and it, you know, will probably make the difference in this team being a top five unit and a top three or top two unit by the end of the year. Yeah. Also, I think the coaches deserve a lot of credit. D- Dean Pease has done yeah. a very good job scheming up a lot of these games. I, I don't think him and Vrabel have gotten a game plan wrong all year, really. Uh, and this last game had Vrabel written all over it, just going coming out with a blitz-heavy scheme um, and really pressuring Brady almost all game, um, and it, it really paid dividends. Yep. Uh, Mike Vrabel on that point. Yeah. <sighs> I think the first half of the season served as a bit of a learning opportunity for him, and not just him, for Lafleur too, because he's young. He's, he's never called plays before. But they're making adjustments. Lafleur seems to be in a groove. He's understanding that trying to run the Terry Robisky offense doesn't work. 
And Mike Vrabel understands now, like the locker room yesterday, totally different than the locker room after the Philadelphia game. Because after the Philadelphia game, it was the, we need more attention. You need to talk about us. Look at me. I'm the greatest. And every single person in that locker room after yesterday's game was, yeah, I played okay, but did you see how ex-teammate played? Or did you see what ex-teammate let me do? Like, completely different attitude. And Vrabel even said after the game, he's, someone asked him, you know, how do you teach your locker room to handle success this time? He said, well, I sure know i got to do a better job than I did the last time because that was a disaster. <laughs> and it was. And, and, you know, good for Vrabel for learning and good for the locker room for uh, adjusting and having a new attitude this time. Yeah, that, that's the for the boys mantra, right? Giving, giving credit to the other guys instead of – uh, taking all the glory for yourself. But, yeah, I think Vrabel has been really good so far. Uh, he, he's, he's exceeded my expectations. Maybe not in, terms of the, not, not in terms of the wins and losses, but just how he's handled a lot of things. Um, well, I think, I think team... a lot of people, including me, thought there was at least a slight possibility that it would turn out he had no idea what he was doing, and it was going to yeah. be a disaster. Yeah, I mean... I did think it was going to be the disaster after the first few weeks of the season i don't think any of us like loved the coaching hire like i think when we all were picking names out of a hat to try to guess you know th- these are the two guys i would want i don't think he was on e- any of well, our wanted steve wilkes i wanted steve yeah, wilkes that was crap although i wanted jim <laughs> hold on hold on steve wilkes still has a bright future of head he wanted jim Sh- oh jim schwartz i was, I was thinking schwartz, jim caldwell yeah, yeah that's yeah. reasonable yeah, we, I mean, uh, we, were I mean, like, we were talking about Jim Schwartz. We were talking about Hugh Jackman as excuse, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackson as the <laughs> offensive coordinator. A, and I Hugh maybe, maybe Hugh Jackman can call plays. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I mean, kind of getting back on topic. I don't know that I've seen a coach who is seemingly so strong-willed and has such a strong, defined personality as Vrabel does who's been able to kind of change his game as the season has gone along. You know, he he tried to be Belichick a little bit when he got there and be really tight-lipped about injuries. You know, he's he's more open about that. He yeah. he doesn't it never seems like there's there's points especially in game plans where he's like this is what we're going to do and even if it's, you know, not working today, it'll work next week cuz we'll fix it. I mean, which is Malcolm- such a ridiculous attitude to have. Yeah, but it comes from people who have been so successful their entire careers that they're so sure they're right that they've become head coaches. You know, one of 32 NFL head coaches that get paid millions and millions a year. I mean, they've always been the smartest guy in the room, or at least they've always thought they were the smartest guy in the room, so that's how they get the job. So now you've got guys who most of the time have never failed or who have failed and have been told by the ownership that just hired them that, don't worry, you you were just you know screwed in your last job. This one is the right one for you, and you know you're the perfect guy for it. It, it just makes your ego grow and grow and grow. Where I think the ultimate kind of I don't want to say humbling, but the move that showed it the most to me was the Malcolm Butler move, where you know he had said you know we're not going to replace him with Sean Sims, which he didn't. But instead of doing what he'd done the past eight games. He said, I'm going to use him differently because I know that he's got talent and I can see that with my eyes, but I can also see that it's not working, so we need to change something. So he melded his idea with that Malcolm Butler is good and that he can be a 
you know, starter or heavy rotator on this team with the idea that, but he can't be a guy who stays in one spot and plays lockdown corner on that side. And it turned into a great decision. So, I mean, I, I like it. I think he's the best rookie head coach. You know, people talk about who, the who Can team. you remind me who the other ones are? I know Steve Wilkes, but. And- uh, Nagy in Chicago. Oh, that's going well. Yeah. And uh, right right. in Indianapolis. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. so let's just go through these. So Matt Nagy, good. Yeah. Uh, What's his name? Frank Reich. Is that what you said? That's working out. I think he's just dealt dealt a bad hand. I mean, it's not like anyone expected anything from him. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Steve Wilkes, not going well. Yeah, bad. Not going well. Um, and they have no talent. Not, not necessarily a rookie head coach, but a rookie head coach in that he seemingly has no idea what to do, and that's John Gruden. Um, oh who, my God, he's terrible. Uh, not even arguably is performing the worst of any of the head coaches, rookie, tenure veteran, whatever. So, oh, Shermer in New York, terrible. Bad, bad, bad. Matt Patricia, not good. Well, Matt Patricia is in the worst franchise in the NFL, so hard to blame him. John, John Gruden will get Oakland there. Just give him time. So, um, so before we started, Will, you suggested that we go through the rest of the Titans season and and project, I guess, how things are going to go. Yeah. So let, let's do that. I'm pulling up the schedule right now. <sighs> okay. Next game, obviously, on Sunday, the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. This feels like a trap game. It feels like they're going to get slaughtered. But did not slaughter. Yeah, they won't get slaughtered. I mean, but they, I feel like we might lose this it's one. It's going to be like the Buffalo then, game if they lose it. The Colts aren't, aren't bad, man. They're actually not terrible. No, but didn't they just let the Jaguars like score 26 on them? Yeah, but they they won. They scored twenty nine. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. But the Jaguars have a pitiful defense. They're on a three game winning streak. They did lose to the Jets, though. That is a big. Yeah, concern. they got killed by the Jets, right? And then had like one touchdown late to make it not a three. Forty. Or three yeah. Points. They gave up forty two points to the Jets. Yeah, to Sam Darnold. So, I I mean they're a terrible defense. I mean we should win this game. We should. I'm yeah. just saying, like the. Vision game, it feels like one of those one of those trap games. But yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that it feels like a trap game. But my argument for it is, we had our trap game versus, versus Buffalo. It's mm-hmm. almost the exact same scenario. Surely, with Mike Vrabel very cognizant of the, there's a trap game coming up in the division that you know, surely he'll say all week, you know, nobody sacked Andrew Luck in four games. They're on a three game winning streak. You know they're they're going to try to upset. Surely he will get in their head enough to where they'll win this game. I think my my theory is that we're going to split this series coming up with the Colts and Texans. I think one of those games we're going to lose and we're going to win the other one. But which one? Which one do they win? Is a good question. I mean, if you if you can pick, you want to win the Texans game. Well, I think we're going to win the Texans game. I think we're going to win in Houston. Well, we get a long week because it's a Monday night game. It's yeah. in Texas, which obviously doesn't phase us at all. Um, also, like mm. people, 
seem to forget that the fact that Demarius Thomas is not Will Fuller and that they should have lost that game versus the Broncos. Um, But they didn't because of just absolutely poor coaching. So, I mean, I I just don't know how good the Texans are. Like, they squeaked past – Will, you said two weeks ago you don't think they're ever going to win again. (laughs) I mean, they shouldn't have. Like, they they did, but, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they keep winning. I mean, they're just a lucky team right now. Their upcoming schedule is so bad. Dude, they have to play the Redskins, who the Redskins mm. may break Deshaun Watson in half. That's possible, but, yeah. Their defense is very good. Yeah. And then they, they – all right, we're not talking about the Texans. I'm not going to yeah. go through their schedule. Yeah. So next game, we never really came to a consensus on that. So the Colts and the Texans back-to-back. Then after that, you got the Jets. I think that's a win, especially at home. Titans don't really lose at home, especially not to bad teams. Um, Titans, Jags. I think Titans win that game. We're gonna we're gonna kill the Jaguars on Thursday night. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's gonna be bad for the Jags. Thursday night at home. And 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 don't think we're biased because we just sat here and talked about how we think they're gonna lose to the Colts this weekend. Well, like they're going to destroy the Jags. Yeah, Giants. That's a win. That's a win. Redskins. That's a tough opponent, but it is at home, and the Titans don't lose at home. Dude, the Redskins might score six points against us. Yeah. Or they, 60. They like, you never know with that team. They scored like 14 against Tampa, which is the worst defense in the yeah. other than maybe Oakland. And I, I feel like the Titans and, are probably built to, built to beat a team like that. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Like, you stop Adrian Peterson. I mean, they've they've been really good against Alex Smith the last two years. They they can't beat anyone deep at all. And, and, they're and that's, only been, the, and that's been the Titans. Paul Richardson, and he's out for the year. And that's been the Titans. Achilles heel this year has been getting beat deep. Yeah. So, I, I, I think that's a really good matchup for us, actually. Yeah. And then you have the Colts to finish the season at home. I mean, I think that could go, I don't know. Ideally, you've already clinched the AFC South if you're the Titans at that point. Yeah. Are we about to go 6-1 and one and finish 11-5 and five like I predicted before the season? I don't know. I feel like one of these games that looks easy, they're going to lose. It's not going to be the Jags. They're going to beat the Jags. And they're going to lose yeah. to either I- Indy or Houston for sure. Dude, four of our last five games are at home. How crazy is that? Yeah, no, great. The scheduling gods really favored us. And the Titans, yeah. and I think on that point, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking earlier today about how crucial it's going to be for the Titans to win the AFC South because they are a different team at home. Because mm-hmm. when yeah. they're on the road, even in the games that they win, like, we saw what happened against Dallas. They walked out there and started to get it handed to them. Demarcus Lawrence was beating Jack Conklin like a drum. And, Will, you made this comment last year. I said the Titans are really good at home. You said, I don't know that they're really good at home so much that they just look like they have no idea what they're doing on the road. But yeah. it's, a, it's a fair point, and you have to win the AFC South to ensure that you play a home game at Nissan Stadium. 
Because the crowds aren't there, and it's not that loud, but for whatever reason, they win at that stadium. Yeah, yeah they're mean, very good at home. Yeah, what are we like? Best in the league since what? since mid-2016. Yeah, although we did go on the road last year and beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Which blew my so. mind. <laughs> that was crazy. I mean, the team in the last three weeks, when they – probably legitimately should have beaten the, the Chargers, and I think if they did it again, they would beat the Chargers. Um, even if it played out the exact same way, I think for sure they get that. Team. We would play them at home if we if we win the division, right? Well, Are, I mean, they're the fifth fifth AFC seed right now. Ooh, that's true. The Chargers aren't winning that division? No. Chiefs. No, the Chiefs are. Oh, yeah, that's right. That'll be an interesting division. Yeah. So the Pats are third seed right now, and Texans are fourth. Who's, uh, who's one and two? Pittsburgh and KC? Pittsburgh and KC, yes. I feel like and then the Bengals are the, the last seed. Pittsburgh is destined are, to have a brutal end to their season. No, See, no. Pittsburgh's on they're on fire, man. Yeah. Their defense is kind of rounding into form also. The Chargers are gonna win like they're gonna go like five and one. If they can beat Kansas City, I think they play them in Los Angeles, maybe. If they can beat Kansas City and win that division there's a chance that we could have to play Kansas City at home. Mm. Which would be – I mean, you really have to hope you get that three seed. Like, you really yeah. have to hope that the North just collapses or something and that you, you don't have to – or that the Patriots just, you know, slow play it knowing that they only have to win like two more games to get into the playoffs. But, I don't, man. Like, I want to play the Texans at home. <laughs> That's what I, I want. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'll to never be. happen. I don't, yeah, think, I, don't, I don't think the Titans and Texans will make the playoffs. I think so. Because the Bengals are falling yeah. apart, and the then big, the rest of the teams are horrible. Yeah, if the Bengals Yeah, can't, I guess now that I think about it, you're right. The, Ra- the Ravens just shut their own season down when they just had all this talk about firing Harbaugh in the middle of the season. Yeah. So. That, I mean, they just shot. They went from shutting out the Titans to like two weeks later firing their coach. Like, what happened? Yeah, yeah they they missed an extra point, or they missed an extra point against the Saints. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. And it all just went downhill that, from there. It just it does not make any sense to me. But yeah, I mean, okay. the schedule looks super. E- I mean, like five wins is not hard to find in this schedule. Like the Jets and the Giants feel like. They should be locks. So that gets you to seven wins. If you split with the Colts, that gets you eight. Jaguars, you consider a win. That gets you to nine. Then the, you, the other games you have are the Texans and the Redskins on a short week at home. I mean, and maybe it's just the fact that we just beat the uh, beat the uh, Patriots and the Cowboys and, like, on a short week and all that kind of stuff. Like maybe that's why we're so high on the team right now. But I mean, if this team can put up 27 points consistently, I don't think any of these offenses can score more than that, except for maybe the Colts. I mean, what, what's the worst case scenario? We go nine and seven again. I think the, we the still sneak into the playoffs. 11. Yeah, but you have to win the division. You can't, there's no excuse. Yeah, that's fair. That's right, especially since we still play the Texans. Yeah, and the right. Colts. I mean, not that yeah, the Colts twice. are going to compete in the division, but yeah. yeah. I mean, if you do, I mean, if you just win your division games from here on out, you've got 
one, two, three, four. You've got four games, so you get nine wins. Like, if you just beat the teams that you play in your division and, you know, get to the top, you're a nine-win team. And if you win those games, you're probably going to win the tiebreaker. Like, it'll probably be a tiebreaker, and you'll probably win it just off of uh, AFC South competition. So, I don't know. It's It seems easy to me, but I wanted to hear what y'all had to say because – I don't want to go ahead and chalk this up in my mind as five wins and then y'all look at it and say, no, we'll probably win three of those games. I definitely think they're going to lose to either Houston or Indy. I think they're definitely going to beat uh, Jacksonville. And then the other games, I mean, I don't know. They they should be wins. The Redskins one is the only one that should really – problem but considering we're at home and the Redskins don't have that's firepower the keep, that's, I don't, the I keep, that's the thing I keep coming back to if some of these matchups were on the road I'd be like you know anything's yeah. possible but these are bad teams they're playing them at a place where they win a lot yeah yeah and you, you don't like the New York trip going to the Giants but the Giants definitely do not want to win a game I mean they're trading <laughs> they traded away an all pro for a fifth round pick when they traded Snacks Harris I'm like they are actively not trying to win, and there's a good chance that at that point Odell Beckham has like a runny nose, and they put him on IR to make sure that he doesn't get hurt for next season. I was going to say we might see their backup quarterback at that point in the season. You know who their they backup quarterback be- is? It's Alex Tanney. No, no, it's it's Kyle yeah, Lalette. He he got arrested, didn't he? No, Kyle Lalette got arrested. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's fine. Like he just had to pay like bail, and now he's back okay. to the team, right? Yeah, I would cool. start Alex Tanny. I would just just start Eli. for fun. I would just start Eli Manning. Maybe just, they'll pick up their quarterback of the future, Davis Webb, again and start him. Yuck. <laughs> Why do teams do this? Like take bad quarterbacks in the mid rounds and convince themselves that they're going to develop, I don't and then know. cut them. That yeah, that's that's the best. Like Luke Falk, Davis yeah. Webb. Yeah. Nathan Peterman. There's so many of them. Peterman Nathan at least Peterman. plays. Well, I mean, like he shouldn't. Like, he shouldn't play. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for Nathan Peterman ever taking a snap in the NFL again. Like I'm sure he's a great guy, but he is the worst quarterback. Dude, Matt Barkley looked good in that offense yesterday. Yeah, like surround him. Yeah, like, they, by the way, a team we get to play, the Jets, just lost 26 or whatever it was not to seven or whatever the final score They gave up four, 40 points, 40 points Jeez. Yeah. I, yeah. to the Bills. It was it was 26 or whatever in the first quarter or something like yeah. that. An absolute beatdown. So that's a team we get to play, and Sam Darnold's kind of got a hurt foot. I, I, I don't know that they'll put him on IR, but I certainly wouldn't rush him back if that's how the season was going. Well, we've kind of rambled a lot, but, I mean, the Titans won. We hit the main points, and we've kind of previewed the remainder of the season. I will say, though, uh, before we head out, our Indianapolis recap, or excuse me, preview episode later this week is going to be hard to do. I don't know what you're talking about. I know all about their stars on defense. That's right. I know I know Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker, and that's it. <laughs> I think they have a guy named Kenny Moore who's actually having a really good season. That's about it. 
I have no idea. Will oh, Leonard, Le- Darius Leonard. We're just going to spend the whole time okay. talking about uh, Quentin Nelson's pancake block and how that makes him the greatest offensive lineman in NFL history. As I yeah, said, because same you know, thing. I mean, he did the same thing that Josh Klein did, like in week two, but whatever. <laughs> but, he, but he screamed. Also, did I hear that Quentin Nelson won AFC Rookie of the Month? Yeah, what absolute nonsense. He went <laughs> offensive rookie of the month because they couldn't give it to Baker Mayfield, you know, or Sam Darnold. Or, I mean, what what a ridiculous thing to do. I mean, they could have given it to, I don't know. Honestly, uh, they did it because there's no body that presides over that. Um, if you listen to people that talk about it that know, they say that it's just like one person picking. Like, they have all those votes and stuff on uh, NFL.com and all that, but really it's just one guy that, like, picks who he wants to pick. And I think Quentin Nelson got it despite not being player of the week or something. like. I mean, like, it was just it was just something to get attention. Next month, you, you heard it here first, the AFC South – or the AFC Rookie of the Month is going to be – Cam Batson? Cameron Batson. There you go. <laughs> I think it's time for us to go because we're not really getting anywhere anymore. Th- thank, <laughs> thank you for suffering through this with us. Um, it's been fun to recap the game. Seriously, the Titans looked great yesterday. There really wasn't much to say other than good job. So we'll be back later in the week to do our best at previewing the Indianapolis Colts. Until then, for Matthias Water and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening. I will talk to everybody later in the week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.